You're listening to the System Save Me podcast, episode number 206. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build a contingency plan as a normal part of business. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency, because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, y'all. So excited for this guest to be on today. She is all things just in case, contingencies, like such a smarty pants when it comes to that stuff. And, you know, as, you know, the past couple months have been, you know, a lot of people's just in cases became realities. And so I knew that I wanted to have Diane on the podcast because she is super sharp with that stuff. And instead of waiting for the crisis to happen in order to have a plan, let's just make that a normal part of business. And so I'm just like so excited to dive into this super juicy topic. Diane, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be on and I'm a long time listener. So podcast is back and even more excited to be on it. Yes, totally. Yeah, you were on my list for sure. I was like, gotta have her on. And so go ahead and tell people a little bit about you and your business. So I help lifestyle entrepreneurs build a successful business. I'm a business strategist with a really long corporate background So I have a tendency to look at things a little bit differently from a lot of entrepreneurs. So I come from a real strategic, data-driven, backed-up side of things rather than just a, hey, let's just see what happens. But I've also discovered that I have this unique twist to me where I'm able to see what might go wrong, (laughs) which... I don't think a lot of people in the entrepreneur space really think about and not in like a huge, terrible way, but I think because I started an audit, I always say to people like, I naturally just trained to look for ways to steal money or commit fraud because that's what we're trying to prevent. So (laughs) I bring that with me as well as like my strategic brain from the corporate side of things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you always see the stories afterward, you know, like, oh, this person hacked my YouTube channel or, oh, this, you know, my Facebook ad account got blocked or deleted or whatever people shut down. And it's like, okay, how do we look at the different areas of your business that, you know, could be a security breach or could, you know, potentially happen? And how are you going to then pivot your business according to that instead of waiting till it happens? So I love that. And yeah, it. some people think it is like a weird, depressing topic. and it's just like, it's more important to anticipate those than a lot of times in the moment, then you have your feelings on top of what's logically happening. And so then it feels bigger, it feels and so then you just make decisions based off of feelings rather than the data, or then the actual circumstance. So I'm super excited to get into this. We're going to be talking about really, like, how to build a contingency plan as a normal part of business. So again, Don't wait for the crises. Don't wait for the hacks. Don't wait for the breaches. Let's just make this a part of your normal day-to-day operations. So tell us a little bit about what either your business or really your clients' businesses are like before they implement their contingency plan just as a day-to-day operation. So I think in general, in the entrepreneur space, we're in this very like high vibe zone, like positive people only, high vibe only. 
And, you know, more power to you if that's you on a daily basis. Great. But because we operate in that space, we're kind of trained to think that like crisis is a bad thing. And therefore, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to really manifest the bad thing. And so really the first thing is a change in perspective. So when I talk to people about crisis, I talk to it being a turning point. And actually your action off the back of the turning point is what creates the good or bad result. And I like to illustrate with an example because a good thing could give you a crisis. If I was to send a million leads to your website or to one of your listeners or to one of my clients overnight, chances are everyone's website is crashing. How we handle that is what creates the impact. If we go on Facebook and have a meltdown, that's all people remember. If we get on the phone to our webmaster, upgrade whatever we need to upgrade, get it up and running, off we go. But that was a traditionally good thing, extra leads coming to a business that created this turning point for you that you had an option how to react. And so I think because we view it as bad, we have a tendency to really bury our heads in the sand. That's what I see a lot of. When I talk to people about building a crisis plan, I get, oh, I don't want to think about that, which is mind-boggling to me, especially people with really big businesses have said to me, like, I don't want to spend three hours on a crisis plan. And it's kind of hard for me to, like, talk through the logic of that with anyone because I'm just like, okay, good luck. Hope it works out for you. So I think we start with that, with that reframe. And I think once you've gone through the exercise, the actual, the biggest outcome is more of a peace of mind. If something happens, you know how to handle it. You might not be able to prevent it, but you know where to step in or what needs to happen. Even while you're in that thinking process, you're still better equipped than you were when you started. So I think that's what it really brings is that peace of mind that you've got this good, bad, ugly, you know, you know what's happening in your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, buying things for peace of mind is like my favorite thing to buy. <laughs> like, right? Like, especially as a highly anxious person, you know, it's important to not overlook like those, I guess, intangible things that you can't touch, touch peace of mind, really, but you can feel it. And you can like, you know, when it's there, because you're not sitting there twisting and turning and Googling and doing all the things. And so I love the perspective shift of crisis. Like it really is just a turning point and the good and the bad, like that was like so amazing. And I hope that everyone really understood like the power of that perspective shift, because if you just think everything, it's about everything bad happening to you, it could be good. Like a bunch of leads to your site, your website breaks down. Like that's definitely a good problem, I guess, as most people would say. So I love, love, love that you positioned it that way, because I think a lot of people just see it as dealing with the bad. And it really is also dealing with the good as well and what can happen. So, all right, go ahead and walk us through the steps of how we can start to tackle this somewhat, you know, scary. I already feel like everybody's going to be down, you know, on the anxious scale, just because of that simple shift that you just told us. So go ahead and walk us through what the uh, steps are. So I guess from my perspective, I don't want people to be thinking of like, pandemic level crisis. I mean, this was 
Nobody predicted this, okay? Like, it's okay that your crisis plan didn't cover this. That's not really what we're talking about. Yeah. So I just want to bring it down from that level because I don't want everyone to think like, oh, we're doing a pandemic level crisis plan. We're not. We're doing yeah. the basics to get you peace of mind and the basics that you can just be doing every single day as you're working. It's just really changing the way you think while you work. So we basically have two types of main risks. As small businesses, really, our biggest risks are we're ill or someone on our team is ill. So we have person or key person risk and we have systems risk because we rely an awful lot on automations and zaps between automations and emailers and all the things. So it's kind of those two streams. And if you think about those two, chances are your key person risk is far greater than your system risk. The chance of your emailer going down, I mean, in the last few years, we lost ClickFunnels for a few days we might have lost a couple of the others every now and then. Asana has gone down for a couple of hours. But those are huge companies that have backup upon backup upon backup. Like their contingency planning for the system is going to be beyond what you are capable of. So on the system side, what you want to be thinking of is this something vital that I'm doing and what would be a backup for this. So I mean, the example for that is going to be probably not on your day-to-day. Like if your weekly newsletter goes out, no one's really going to care. They might miss you, they might not, but they're not going to care. If you're on a launch and your email goes down on the day that you are supposed to send all your open cart or even worse, your closed cart emails, better believe that you should have thought through, hey, okay, maybe I'm going to have MailChimp as my backup. And what do I need for that? Probably my email list and probably what I'd written in the emails. Okay, so systems I find are only really super risky in that kind of launch deadline side of things. People, on the other hand, your team could go down tomorrow with a stomach bug. You could go down tomorrow with a stomach bug. And so what I see a lot of in this space is people are like, oh, no, I've got my OBM could run the show. My integrator could run the show. I'm hardly involved in the day to day, which is fabulous because you are no longer the key person risk. They are. So just because you're not that as involved doesn't make it any less risky unless you know that they somehow never get a stomach bug or the flu, neither does their family. So what you want to do, for me, the most basic contingency planning is to think about what you would do if you or someone in your team was off for the day. So we think of that in three different steps. First, what are your usual appointments? What kind of appointments do you have? And I don't mean like, oh, I have a podcast recording with Diane. It's podcast recording, client one-to-one, group call. It's that high-level type of appointment that you have. And then for each of those, you have an option. You can cancel, you can delay, or you can delegate. So you want to make that decision now. Like, if I couldn't make this podcast with Diane, what's the automatic process? How are you going to communicate that? You're probably going to send me an email going, hey, Diane, I'm curled up on the bathroom floor. Can we do another time? We'll reschedule. Maybe you can't get your email, so who's going to send that? Maybe your VA or your OBM. So it's just thinking through that process for each of your appointments. It's something that if it's an email that you're going to have to send, it's maybe pre-preparing that because especially if you're a one-man show, maybe there isn't someone who can step in, but it is going to be so much easier to cut and paste 
than it is to be like, okay, I feel awful. I have to write 20 emails to cancel everything. What am I going to say? Like if that's just copy-paste, copy-paste. I'm really sick, can't do it, sorry. Very easy. And then you do the same thing, but with all your usual deliverables. So do you normally have to send, maybe you have to approve the blog before your VA puts it on the website. Do you have to send a report to a client after an intensive? Whatever those things are that you have to do that's more task-orientated, it's the same process. Can you cancel it? Probably not. Can you delay it? Maybe. Could somebody else do it? How are you going to communicate that to both of those people? Preparing everything you can in advance. That one in particular, you want to be thinking process notes. Step one of all crisis planning, anything that any person is doing, process notes. Jordan is like, yes. <laughs> My love language. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And then the one thing that everybody forgets is to, an out of office. So it seems really simple to put an out of office on, but where people go wrong is you want your out of office to reassure people that you'll be back, not to invite questions. So you do not want to have an out of office on that says something like, you know, we've had a bit of a family emergency. I've had to rush my daughter to the hospital because, you know, I don't know, she's pulled her fingernail off or something minor. And you're sitting at the hospital worrying about your kid, worrying about the business, and 20 people are messaging you, are you okay? Is she okay? Let me know what I can do. People are not texting you. So you want it to be really just clear and simple. I'm really sorry. There's been something that's come up that's urgent that I've had to deal with. So-and-so will be in touch with you to reschedule. So-and-so will be in touch with you to cancel. So-and-so will be covering the, the meeting or whatever. Usually try to give them some idea of when you'll be back. I'd probably only be out for a day, something like that. It's the out of office is meant to shield you, not give you more work. Right. So we either completely forget to put one on, or we put one on that is like, hey, here are the 17 other people you could contact and my mobile number. Don't put if it's urgent, call my mobile because everybody thinks this stuff is urgent. Everybody. Everybody. So it's those three things. So it's appointments, deliverables, out of office, and then what I suggest everyone does, so I have a template that I'll share with you guys, that it's a one-pager that walks you through it step-by-step, step, and then you get each person in your team to fill it in. Now, here's what the other thing where people go wrong is when they figure out who's going to be doing all this stuff, they forget to tell them. So remember that if you think you can delegate this task to someone, A, they're going to know how to do it. B, they're going to know that they're supposed to do it. So how are they going to know that you're sick and they need to do it? And they need to be on board with doing it. If they're like, no, I'm never doing that. You don't want to find that out while you're called up on the bathroom floor. So it's actually super simple. And the reason I say to people to think of it as business as usual is you can sit down and kind of have a brain dump and do an initial kick of this. Yeah. Or you can build it as you go. So today we're doing a podcast interview. You might sit down and be like, hey, wait, podcast interviews. If I couldn't use Zoom, what else would I use? If I couldn't do it, how would I let the person know? So you're going person, system, person, system, person, system, as you work. All I want people to do really is rather than make this some huge deal, because I think that's what it is. I think people see it as a giant 
can of worms that they're going to open and then they're never going to be able to look away from the worms and they're never going to be able to solve for the worms either is just to actually change how you're thinking a little bit in your business and think, okay, what am I really reliant on in this workflow, in this process for this appointment? And is that vital? Is it something that somebody wouldn't understand if I had to cancel or my business would suffer in some way? So usually time facing, that's where you're going to start to have vital. And if it is, just think, okay, well, let's imagine I've just done this. What are all the things I used? What if one of them didn't work? Yep. You know? Oh, totally. And it, it can just be that simple little shift. It doesn't have to be this huge negative. It's just a simple little change of going, okay, let me imagine what this would be. And what happens is then when it actually happens, even if all you did was imagine it for a moment, when it actually happens or if it actually happens, even if you documented nothing, yeah. kind of already experienced it. Totally. You've already thought it through. So you're already coming from a place of like, okay, wait, I know what I'm supposed to do in this rather than, oh my gosh, I've never encountered this. Oh, let me go on Facebook and word vomit about my terrible day to everybody. Let me just ruin all the good work I've, I've done building my reputation by having a complete rant at like, Mark Zuckerberg, who honestly doesn't care that your Facebook ad account got shut down or that he pays for. And so I think that's, it's just thinking about things in a more calm environment as you go, not all at once. If you do want to do it all at once, it totally can be done. And like I said, it doesn't have to be super negative, but I know people are really put off by the scale of the thing. And what if I forget the one thing, you know, just thinking things through, in this way will also have knock-on effects. So maybe you've thought through podcasting where you're using Zoom. Now suddenly it goes down for a client meeting. It's the same system. Even though you haven't thought about the client meeting, you've thought it through in Zoom. Oh, let me quickly email the client and say, hey, we're going to hop on Skype or Google, whatever. Facebook meeting rooms, whatever's coming out these days. Right, exactly. All the new things. So yeah, so I think that's the really... Just make it part of your daily thought process. Totally. Like, hey, what did I do today? What would have been really bad if something, like what would have had a really big knock-on effect if it hadn't worked? Do I want to put something in place for that? Yes or no? Yeah. Put it in your Asana or your ClickUp or your Trello as a task to think about. Have you been dying to create a VIP day or virtual intensive offering, but are stuck in overthinking everything? You love what you do and how you support your clients, but lately it's become, well, too much. You may even be hitting your monthly revenue goals, but you're left completely exhausted. Yeah, been there, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Good news, I've built my virtual VIP day bootcamp that walks you through the nine steps to create and selling a one day virtual intensive. Grab the podcast only pricing of $37 for this two hour training plus tons of bonuses to build and sell your own one day virtual intensive. Since 2016, I've completely replaced monthly retainers with one day virtual intensives and VIP weekends. So join me and stop dealing with the late night slack pings, lacking control over your own calendar, chasing invoices, explaining scope creep again, you catch my drift. Head on over to systemsamey.com slash pod bootcamp. That's P-O-D b-o-o-t-c-a-m-p and grab the goods all right back to the episode
Yeah, that was like uh, when, for a program of mine, Zoom was like mucking up bad time and really my whole internet was, which was fun. And I had to like shift. And basically the next time I popped on, I was like, if this goes down again, we're going to Facebook Live. And it happened and everybody showed up. And I was like, oh, that was nice. Like, it's good because then it's not, you know, oh my gosh, panic mode. Now I got to go download Google meetings and how do I get everybody to Google meetings? And It's like, no. And so that's like one thing that comes to mind, but also with launching, I think you bring up a really good point of duplicates and stuff. And when I did a summit two years ago, I duplicated everything. Like I duplicated where my course was hosted. I had this beautiful custom WordPress website created and it went down and crashed. I think the very first day that like the interviews were starting to happen and I had to move everybody to Thinkific. And yes, it did like take us a hot minute to get everybody over there. But if we hadn't put all the content in Thinkific previously, it would have taken even longer. So it's just one of those things where you don't want to think about it but also like you need to think about it. And we had duplicated active campaign and Entreport. Like all the pages that were on our WordPress website were on Entreport. All of our email list was an Entreport as well as active campaign. So it's just like, it feels like you're doing duplicate work and you are. And everybody knows that something is going to go wrong <laughs> during your launch. So you might as well just cover the gamut and make it a lot more smooth when it comes to, it's not going to make it more fun or make it more delightful per se, but it is going to make it a smoother process and a smoother transition for yourself as well as the other people who are being involved and whatnot. So where would you suggest people host their contingency plan? Is this like a beautiful document? Is this like a project in Asana? Where are we putting this? So I'm going to say put it wherever you're likely to use it. So if your team runs on Asana, then take my template, duplicate it in Asana and put it there because the biggest thing is you want to make sure people know where to go look for it. Like if Jordan is not in tomorrow and you have it in a Google Doc on your desktop, not a lot of help for anyone. However, if it's, you know, it can be as simple as a Google Doc. You could literally have a Google Doc that says, process name and a link to the Google folder where that process note is saved. It could, it can really be that simple. It doesn't have to be flashy. I think if you are deep in a project management system, I would just start quickly in a Google doc. Like, Hey, what is a list of everything that we need to think about? And then as you work through it and as you build the process note, as you build the cover matrix, as you cross train people, you know, then you can start attaching things to tasks in Asana in case of and scheduling things like, hey, this might be a good time. It's, you know, once a week, let's back up the mailing list or, you know, the laptops or whatever. So wherever, like you can put it anywhere, but you want to make sure it's somewhere that people can access it. People have the right access to get it. It's not something that you can only access. And you want to make sure as well that there's wherever you're keeping your calendar, that there's a review date. So none of this is static, right? Things change all the time. It's every six months to a year, whatever you've built, you want to go back. Processes change, plans change. So it just becomes this like fluid, hey, I'm doing my half yearly review. What else do we need to review? Let's, has anybody changed anything since we did contingency plans? Let's have a quick look at our system notes. Those sorts of things. Yeah, gotcha. No, that makes sense. And with the out of office, are you, I know you meant like 
you know, if you have to be gone and you put something up, are you a big fan mm-hmm. of like, they're technically like, okay, somebody emails you and they automatically get like, not a read receipt, but like a, like a thank you for emailing me. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot more of those lately and I don't know like if that's helpful or does that help with like managing expectations or does that make more work? Like, where do you stand on those? I have to admit, I'm not the hugest fan of them because I am either, but yeah, like to me, it feels very you centric instead of sender centric, uh, like recipient centric. So a lot of the time I see it with like, Hey, thanks for emailing. We'll get your email as soon as possible. Figured that was a given. Didn't need to do that. I'm only going to check emails between 3 p.m. and 3.35 p.m. Because, you know, I'm distancing. It's like, congratulations. You've just wasted two minutes of my time opening an email that I thought was a response to my email, only to discover that you're now telling me you're actually probably only going to see it tomorrow because it's now 3.36. So I'm not the biggest fan. I'm not going to lie. I find it that way too. I think it disrupts a little bit and I get, listen, I'm all about managing your inbox. Okay. Like I'm like the biggest fan of it. And yeah, I feel like it does disrupt a little bit in the sense of you are expecting a response. And so then when it is like a robot response, then it's like, oh, like, and it's one thing if it's like, I don't know, like from nine to five, your inbox is off, but like off hours, like you have something that's just like, Hey, like, just let you know, we'll see this like beginning of the morning or whatever. Cool. That's fine. But like during work hours, I was where I find it to be a little bit disruptive or just a little bit like, it's almost like a power trip a little bit. Yeah. It is like, it's my time. Like I'm going to waste two minutes of your time telling you to protect just answer my email between three and three thirty-five. Right. Like I don't think anyone in this day and age thinks that they send an email to someone and they get an immediate response. If people do think that, that is because you have trained them to believe that. And you shouldn't need to put in this like gate to teach that. Just start only replying to emails between three and three thirty-five, and you won't have that problem. People will know that you'll respond. If you have like a customer service thing, put it in a separate inbox. Like if I have emailed you, the CEO, it's probably not a customer service query if you have a team. And if you don't have a team, you better be checking your email more than once a day. Right. So yeah, for me, I'm not a huge fan. I'm irritated every time I get one. I understand what people are trying to do, right. but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I just wanted to get your take because you mentioned just out of office and I was like, oh, I wonder if like all the time out of office, if that's her. Oh, no, no. No, no. I mean like, hey, I'm on vacation. Right. Hey, I'm having a day. Hey, I'm having a moment. Like it's more to stop. Like, hey, I'm having a crisis. This could take two days. It could take three days. It's mostly like you can even set them up so it goes to specific people. Yeah, that's true. So that certain ones go to, so the clients get notified. But it's more a protective barrier. It's not protecting your day and your productivity. Right. It's protecting your brain and your mind space you know, um, when you need that gap. Yep. Oh, totally. Yep. And yeah, we talked a little bit about tools. Keep it simple, y'all, with a Google Doc. I love when it can be just a simple Google Doc that makes my life so happy. As, even as a systems person, I love systems and automation, but, you know, don't overthink it. Google Docs are great. And what freebie do you have for our audience if they want to dive deeper and start to really dissect the different areas of their business? What do you have for us? So... 
I want people to actually take action on this. So I like to not overwhelm. So I have a one pager any day crisis plan. And what it basically shows you is the steps we walk through. What kind of appointments am I going to have? What kind of deliverables am I going to have? What needs to happen? And it has, it actually walks you through the steps of like, okay, this is the appointment. Am I going to delegate it, cancel it, whatever? Who's going to take charge of it? How am I going to communicate it? You know, what do I need to pre-prepare for appointments and deliverables? And it has an out-of-office box so that you don't forget to prepare that. And what I'd suggest is starting with filling it in as the CEO and then asking your team to get involved. And I think even one of the side effects or the little like side benefits of this is it starts to point out things to you that actually someone else in your team could be doing. Because when you think, oh, I could hand that over to that person, could you hand it over to them now? Maybe it's a time thing, maybe not, but it will start to think about your future state planning as you hand more and more stuff off. But it's really gentle. It's really simple. It's super quick. I want it to be as user-friendly an introduction as possible for people. Yeah, exactly. So definitely go and check that out. I believe dianmayer.com slash SSM. And we'll have that link in the show notes as well in the description. But where else can people find you if they just want to come say hi, say awesome interview, like high fives, all that good stuff. So I'm most active on Instagram. I love a good DM. So please don't feel shy. I know people are like, oh, I don't want to bother bother me. I love it. I'm into it. <laughs> come and say, hey, come and ask me your questions. Let me know how I can help you in this space. Yeah. Perfect. Easy enough. So thank you so much, Diane, for coming on. I think you've taken such a scary topic and like brought it all the way down to the ground and just like it really is like can be a simple one pager to start out with. So I a hundred percent recommend everybody go and grab that. I know that I will be after this interview um, to just get started on thinking of all the ways that you can just think of the just in cases so that if, and when they become a reality, you're already set to go. So thank you so much again, Diane, for coming on. My pleasure. I love nerding out on these types of topics with you. <laughs> a little sister twin. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.